perfectly fine. Fine. Okay, fine. Fine. You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, where we recognize that everything is not at all fine, discuss what we can do about it, and empower you to connect with your community. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Pete Dubois. Some people also call you Pete the Composter. Um, great. Yeah, great to be here. <laughs> good, good. Um, so you work for Clark County. What's your official job title and uh, what's what's your role in the community? Yeah, official job title is a Senior Environmental Outreach Specialist, and that's in the Solid Waste Education and Outreach team. And uh, yeah, with Clark County Public Health. Cool, cool. Um, so to start, a lot of people listening are very concerned about the climate crisis. Um, so today we were going to talk about food waste and composting. Uh, why is food waste a climate issue and how does composting help combat climate change? Yeah, that, that's a great jumping off point. Uh, for beginners, food waste is something that touches us all every day whether we're in Clark County or really anywhere in the world. And um, just to frame the, the subject, I mean, for, for one, we're really lucky and, and privileged to have a lot of food. And food is fairly inexpensive compared to what it used to be in the old days, olden days. Um, and, and not everyone in Clark County has that luxury as well. And so we'll talk a little bit about that when we get into some of the laws that Washington State has passed, but we definitely uh, want to be looking at feeding people first. Uh, but food waste really comes in two forms, and there is the inedible food waste that we're not going to really be able to eat. Onion skins, avocado pits, although you can shave off avocado pit and it's kind of like a nutty flavor so we can talk about that a little bit oh wow i didn't know that really <laughs> extending ways to to turn food waste into a, a a second waste i mean a second use if possible before we hopefully turn it into compost but the biggest issue and we can get into more follow-up questions and details but the biggest issue is when food waste goes in our garbage can which inevitably most most people handle it that way, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's changing, thankfully, but we need it to really change quickly. But when it goes in the trash can, gets picked up by the garbage truck, goes to the transfer station, gets stuck in a big, giant shipping container, put on a barge, and shipped up the Columbia River 180 miles to our landfill, which is in Oregon, Finley Buttes. Uh, they bury that. And so this is one of those myths that we don't really know about. People are like, oh, let's just throw it away. It'll compost at the landfill, uh, which is the place where our garbage goes. And that is not the case. So landfills, modern-day landfills, are lined with very heavy-duty plastic. Their material is dumped in there. It's covered every day with some kind of dirt or soil cover. Uh, and then heavy, huge machinery squashes out all the oxygen and so basically it becomes like a giant stomach and we know what happens with cows <laughs> what, what happens with cows when when uh, they eat and then they uh, also release 
And it's methane, right? It's a methane gas. And so uh, landfills across the country release methane gas as a byproduct. Uh, and so that, as we know, is, is a significant contributor to greenhouse gases and also, uh, you know, a lot more potent than just carbon dioxide, which comes out of the, the car and, and comes out of our mouths as well. Carbon dioxide itself is not the problem. It's just releasing the carbon dioxide that was buried millions of years ago. It's the level of concentration in the atmosphere that's the problem, right? That we're exactly. just increasing it exactly. so much. It's not that just carbon is bad. It's like, well, you exactly. know, anything at certain doses is going to be... <laughs> to- concentrating things in nature is typically a bad idea. And so, yeah, it's releasing carbon that was locked up. Yeah, It would have been locked up had we not come around with all these technologies to, to dig it out and mine it and and turn it into gas and and coal and all these other things. So so that's the, the big premise. You know, the big takeaway is that food in your garbage can, which goes to the landfill, does not break down and turn into compost. It breaks down and turns into a gas, which, you know, can escape and create problems for our climate. Okay, then, so how does composting, and instead of sending your food to the landfill, like how, how does that... Um, how is that combating climate change? Is there no methane emitted in that process? How does that work? Yeah, it's a really great question. So um, there are different forms of composting. So you can compost in a vessel similar to like a cow stomach, uh, which is called in-vessel anaerobic composting. Uh, They have some of these actually around dairy farms, where they will put in the dairy manure and capture that gas. Uh, you can also use that with food waste or, or a blend. And then that's called biogas. And it actually is captured and turned into, uh, basically methane's very close to natural gas. And so at that point it can be used to, to use for power. It can be used for electricity, all of those uses. So, so in that case, uh, food waste can be used to our advantage rather than it escaping and going into the atmosphere. Uh, we we control it and can use it for, for power. And in fact, it's renewable power. Uh, they're looking at a huge plant up in Longview called Divert. And so they'll be collecting a lot of the food waste from our big box stores, Albertson, Safeways, Fred Myers, all those other places, uh, and doing some kind of in-vessel type uh, composting because it's a controlled environment. And so uh, that's a very technical approach to composting. I am more on kind of the grassroots low tech okay. model, which is called aerobic composting, which can also be done at, at an industrial level, uh, but also can be done in your backyard. And so when we do that method, there is some carbon dioxide that escapes as part of that natural decomposition process uh there can be a more uh stinky release which would be more like ammonia uh but again we're not we're not creating methane in that process is that like um lasagna composting is that so uh so we've got yeah we've got lasagna composting uh just composting in your backyard compost bins uh we also have worm bins 
And so really this is more transforming our food waste into a living soil for regenerative gardening and farming. And yeah, in, in a teaspoon of that compost that I turn out and we teach people how to do at our demonstration sites and through our courses and classes, uh, one teaspoon of that compost uh, will contain like over a billion living organisms. One and teaspoon? So in one teaspoon. And so oh if you think about gosh. like a quarter cup or a couple tablespoons, there's as many organisms uh, in that as there are people on this entire planet. And, and, and I, I guess, you know, obviously a lot of it you can't see. So what would that primary organism be? Would be bacteria. Would be bacteria. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. bacteria is going to be, be the, the main one. And then we have, uh, the one with the strands and the mycorrhiza and all that. Which what, what's that category? Mycelium, yeah, or mycelium mushrooms and mushrooms, or, and what do we call that broader category? Fungi, yeah, <laughs> fungi, fungus, uh, and then we have uh, kind of our shredders that come in at the last uh, after things have broken down, especially if we do a hot compost, and those are our critters without backbones, worms, and that category. Uh, are they decomposers or, or is there the something else? Decomposers, yep. All of these are decomposers. Okay. Uh, it is a scientific term. Starts with an I. Four syllables. In- Means uh, critter with no backbone. Invertebrate? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I've got a song about that. I, I'm not going to play that today, but it, it's called, uh, about. it's about the real FBI. And those are decomposers, the fungus, bacteria, and vertebrates. Oh, yes. I heard that song. That was one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, So what tips do you have for people for how to start composting at home? Yeah, so so really what we've been trying to do here in Clark County is we want to make it convenient. And there's really, I'd say there's probably three barriers to starting to, to do your food waste. I mean, if you're putting in your trash, you're already handling the food waste. So it's just a matter of handling it in a different way. And we give out, uh, for no cost, collection containers that you can put on your kitchen countertop to put your food scraps in. And uh, we've got a nice label on it so you know what can go in there. And so, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, if you've got a green cart in our county for yard debris. You, if you live in the city of Vancouver, Richfield, at this time, you can put all your food waste into those carts with your yard and garden waste. Oh, and really? So it's not across the entire county, and we're, we're hoping that that will be the case. And there's just some uh, kind of bottlenecking delays going on at our transfer station, why we haven't implemented that yet. But Mostly if you live in the city of Vancouver, Richfield, and you've got a green cart, that's where we may want to make sure you're putting all your food waste. And not everyone knows that. And so uh, the other thing with that green cart program here in Clark County, which is different than other cities like Portland, Seattle, uh, ours is a subscription-based, so you're not required to have the green cart. So about 50% of the people sign up for that here in our county. 
and in the cities. So we still have folks who aren't going to have a cart to put their food in. And so that's really where we've come in with some other options that uh, hopefully are convenient. We, we're setting them up at churches right now, and not only for the church congregations, but also for neighbors uh, as kind of a composting, community composting hub. So we've got 10 of those set up. We're hoping to get to 100 so that, and churches are across the whole county. So hopefully a church wouldn't be too far and they'd be set up and you could bring your food, uh, waste there, dump your pail into the cart. So we're just trying to get carts out wherever we can, whether it's in your own house that you roll out to the curb or at a church. Uh, also some public spots like at Heritage Farm uh, in Hazeldale. We've got three carts set up now so the community can bring their stuff there, put their pail of food waste in. That is super cool. I didn't realize that. Is there like a map on the county website or something to like, how do we, people find those locations? Yeah. So we are working on it. One of the, the key things uh, of concern is we don't want to make it too easy. And that's actually been a problem for Portland where then people start putting in garbage and, and worse. I was gonna ask, diapers like, and plastic and all these other things that become really problematic uh, when they get to the municipal composter. So, um, at this point in time, it's more reach out to us and we will try to pair you up with the closest facility or closest cart. And then uh, if you're a gardener or want to get in the business of making your own compost, you can do that, but uh, you can't take all the food waste. So if we're talking backyard composters and worm bins and things like that, uh, we don't want the meats and the cheeses and but all food can go into the cart that's picked up by Waste Connections, our local hauler. So the meat and the cheeses can go into the food waste cart, yes. but you just wouldn't want to do that at home. Exactly. If you've got oh, a okay. green cart or you've got access to one at a church or you, you know Heritage Farm, anything goes if it's food waste. And is that because it's like going to a commercial? Exactly. It can, it's like, you know, you're guaranteed it's going to be the correct temp to. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. Okay. They, they, they manage it. They turn it. Uh, everything gets, yeah, controlled. Because okay. really we're just dealing, I mean, it's not rocket science. We, we just don't want any smells and we don't want any rats or other pests. Um, and, and they can manage all that. Okay. And then, um. Well, so, I mean, that's an option you just brought up right there, bringing your food waste to one of these locations. But, like, if someone is in, you know, a lot of us are renting in smaller homes and stuff like that, or maybe we don't have a yard, is there something, like, they could do, like, a um, the worm composting deal? Like, what could people in small spaces do, I guess, is my question. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. They certainly can do a worm bin. We have more success with those kept in a controlled kind of more of an outdoor environment whether it's a shed or a garage uh, just because there can be fruit flies there can be some other things that are all decomposers and they're certainly not uh, they're not bad but they may be a pest in your house and so worm bins you know we certainly I know folks who've had worm bins right under their kitchen sink so it can be done and, and there's really no smell if done correctly. Um, but again, you can only manage so many things with a worm bin. 
And so we're just basically talking when we talk worm bins, compost bins, things at your home, uh, fruits, vegetables, coffee, tea, and eggshells. So we, you, we, you would always want to have access to the cart or a cart somewhere in the community. So that's really our, our goal. And then you are kind of high-ending your, your food scraps to either feed the worms, uh, feed your compost bin to create this incredible living soil, uh, especially for growing your own food, which makes us healthier uh, and also makes our community healthier. So that's really where we kind of come back to the same answer. It's like we want to, we want to set people up, want to give them kitchen counter, top pails, you know, whatever it is so they can manage the ick factor. And that's one of the big issues. Uh, and so I know some things I've dabbled with, you know, there's, there's kind of sugar ants you can have. I mean, that's larger than compost problem. Uh, and then fruit flies, those are basically the, the two main pests. And so, you know, some people keep their food scraps in the freezer and then pull oh. it out from a bag there, bring it to the cart. Um, or, or their bins, however they want to manage their food waste. So again, there are some additional steps, but food waste, as I see it, is something that's accessible for each and every one of us at this very moment in time to change our behavior, to help the environment and really combat climate change. Not everyone's going to be able to go out, buy an electric vehicle, put solar panels on their house, you know, some of mm-hmm. you know, stop traveling you know some of these choices stop eating meat you know these are these are larger discussion larger investment and intentions but managing your food waste really is something we all need to be doing there's no question about it It, it's got to happen uh and and it's one of those things that keeps me positive because i see more and more people getting on the bandwagon joining this movement uh and it gives me hope at the same time, if folks can't do it, then that's a pretty depressing idea that they're not willing to make that small <laughs> commitment <laughs> right. to help our entire planet. So Right. Need, so some people need to step it up for sure. So some people need to step it up. Thank you. Um, I yeah, I mean, we we compost here and honestly, like it's fun in my view. I mean, like we fill up our little our little compost bin next to the sink. And it's just like, Oh my God, all of that, like to actually see it and know that like all of that would have been going to the landfill. Like you said, like creating methane, like it just feels good to know like, Oh, that's going to go out into our tumbler and then it's going to break down and we're going to grow food with it in the spring. So like, I don't know. It's, it's a awesome process. I'm definitely not an expert on it, but <laughs> yes. Well, compost happens. <laughs> And so some of the expertise is just how quickly you can make it happen. Okay. uh, And then how that product is in the end form. But really, there's no wrong way to compost. And I do think, and I love the example you just gave, we have lost touch with the cycles of the earth, you know, our rituals, you know, looking up and seeing, sleeping under the stars. You know, we don't do any of that anymore in our civilized urban So having that opportunity to play in the dirt and create soil and be part of a, a natural cycle is also a really connecting uh, way for us to improve our health, improve just the health of the environment, but really physical health. And then you go out, you've got your tumbler, you know, you're outside, you're in the air, you're getting some physical exertion. 
Uh, and again, you're just seeing something transform over time. And so there, there are many benefits to composting beyond just keeping the food waste out of the landfill. Uh, it really can become a hobby in some sense. And, and, and I would say in the blue zones where people live to be 100 or so, they have found most of those people are gardeners. And if you're a gardener, you're a composter. And so... What is a blue zone? That sounds so, familiar. Yeah, they, they've studied these areas. I'm not an expert on it, but they're just pockets around the globe where people live to be super old. And they have studied them and, and looked at some commonalities to find out what allows people to be so vibrant and live to be healthy for such a long age. And gardening, composting is one of those things. Wow. I'm not surprised. That's really cool. Um, I did want to ask you too. Um, so like when we got started, it's like, you know, we just looked up online, like the basic instructions, I think, are like, you know, a quarter, water, air, green stuff, brown stuff. Is that right? Yeah, uh, that is, that's uh, definitely, if it's working for you, it's right. Like very basic. And well, the, my, like my question, I guess is like, how does, how do the, how does, how do the, how does the mycelium and the worms, like how do they appear there? Like, do you need to add those or? Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are all really good questions. Um, getting back to the, the initial one, we do offer classes and we actually have a, a six, I mean, excuse me, a seven week consecutive, uh, once a, one day a week training intensive. And so there are some techniques that we teach on how to properly compost because we want folks to do it correctly. Yeah. So there's no smell, no rats, no problems with your neighbors. And so, again, starting with just fruits, vegetables, coffee, tea, eggshells uh, is going to be important in the backyard, basically backyard composting. And we do recommend kind of a one-to-one by volume. So if you're going to put a pitchfork in of your food scraps, you're going to put a pitchfork in or a bucket full of dry material, which could be dry leaves, could be paper towels, shred up paper egg cartons. And if you do that, uh, either filling the whole thing up or just doing a layer at a time, dump your food bucket, cover it with something dry, dump your food bucket, cover it with something dry, that's really all you need to know. That's the key piece. We don't typically add water because food is 80-90% water. Uh, you know, there's some situations on a hot, hot, hot day, if we're building a big bin, we might add. But typically, the in our climate, it's too much water is a problem. Okay. So managing to make sure the water doesn't get in. And then in terms of the mycelium and the worms and the bacteria, I mean, all of these decomposers are around us. And that's what keeps the world going. It, they've been here since, you know, life form has been here. And they will show up when they are needed. And it's a build it and they will come model. It's one of the questions I always get. I need worms so I can add them to my backyard compost bin. And you never need to add worms. The worms will come when the worms are needed. And if your compost bin's bone dry, you're never going to have worms. And so, you know, there's certain management techniques. You know, we, we need to make sure the food's breaking down in the bin, you know, that it's mixed. We like to turn our bins every so often. Uh, that is an opportunity. If it is too dry, you can add a little bit of water. Um, but again, 
You don't have to add anything. That and is so cool to think about. <laughs> we don't add any compost activators. You know, they sell some of these products. Uh, one thing that is a, a huge asset, especially if you're trying to compost like pure leaves, and leaves are one of those, one of the few items that you only need one ingredient. So if you pile up uh, a whole bin full of leaves and let it sit, you don't even have to turn it. Uh, over time, that will become what's called leaf compost or leaf mold. And that is super, super mineral rich because it's got all the droppings from the trees. And then the trees have the huge roots and they're mining all that mineral content. Plus the worms come in there to work it uh, afterwards. And so they're under, like if you lift up leaf litter outside, often you will see worms. And so that's where they want to live. And they're decomposing that material. And as they eat it, they digest it through their their system and it comes out as a vermicompost and that's like a nitrogen fertilizer so you've got you know putting food waste in the garbage is terrible even worse than that is burning leaves you know leaves are our biggest asset for our compost piles wow that is super cool i didn't even know that oh my gosh and so where i was going with all that there's one thing we could add especially in a leaf all leaf compost Pile. We have this science around, uh, it's called the CN ratio, carbon to nitrogen. Okay. And so everything has carbon. Carbon is kind of the source of life and energy. Uh, some things like sawdust are going to be 500 parts carbon to one part nitrogen. And so super heavy on the carbon. And that's oh. what we call those carbon materials. Uh, which are also our our composting browns or the dry material. And then we have things like food waste, which is probably more like 15 parts carbon to one part nitrogen. So a lot less carbon. And those are the ones we call more nitrogen, even though there's still more carbon, but there's less. And so we want to balance how we build our compost bins between those things. Where I'm going with all this is urine is a one-to-one, one part carbon to one part nitrogen. So it's as strong a nitrogen source as you can get. And so if you had sawdust or leaves, which are really high in carbon, and you add that material, you're actually speeding along that process. And so that's a way you can turn your leaf-only compost pile a lot quicker. Uh, You wouldn't necessarily want to do that in a wet pile that's got too much sloppy stuff in it. But if it's a brown carbon dense drier material that's a great thing to add so leaves and urine urine is a a huge wasted resource and it's sterile when it comes out of the body you know there are very rare instances you know if you've got a kidney infection or something like that which you would know about but for anyone else it's a sterile product that really should not be flushed down the toilet with potable drinking water it's kind of a, a wasted system in, in itself. We really, and, and a lot of other companies, I know we're going off on a tangent, but it is all related tangent. and it comes to <laughs> composting toilets. Uh, you know, we're, we're flushing our toilets with drinking water. And I, I can't remember it was Ben Franklin or someone said, you know, no civilized society would flush their toilets with drinking water. <laughs> Yet we are doing that here in the United States. Uh, a lot of com- countries have moved to gray water, for that material. Um, 
so we got a long ways to go. A lot of this is where hope comes back. It's like we have a lot of the different solutions. We could, we can make so so many incredible changes uh, if we just put our minds to it. Back to back to the urine thing. Um, <laughs> I've also heard about this as well that you can like you know do a certain part urine part water and then like water your plants with that like garden with that have you heard of that at all yes so you you would want to in that situation we definitely want to do a 10 to 1 ratio you know just you don't have to you can eyeball it the one thing to be concerned about is is urine does have salts in it and so over and over that can become a problem but if you dilute it and spread it out you're actually definitely giving a nitrogen now plants need you know the three main things are nitrogen phosphorus potassium so nitrogen is great for the growth in the, the leaf. So if you've got leafy greens, that would be a great thing to be watering with. Uh, but if it's strawberries or things like you want to fruit, then you might not want to do that. Because okay. they need more of the phosphorus and the potassium for the roots, the stem, you know, to crank out the fruits. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot. I'm not a master gardener, but there's a lot, a lot there. But we're talking nitrogen, which really is the urine. Wow, that's cool. Um, you sorry, just to double check. You said that you you do know about the food waste law, though. The yes. Washington. Okay. So uh, recently, and and Washington State is very proactive, possibly the most proactive around keeping food waste out of the garbage by law uh, in the entire country, and so uh, it's called the Organics Management Law. And there are two components to it, but the biggest one is they want uh, all organics cut by 75% by the year 2030, which is really just right around the corner. Yeah, holy crap. And as a component of organics, which you know includes yard debris and grass clippings and these other things, organics is a confusing term because uh, you can buy organic food, but organics really just means it was once alive. So things okay. that were living, which would be grass was alive, leaves were once alive, you know, anything along the, those lines is what they're talking about. Uh, but of that 75%, they want us to cut food waste by 50%. And so that's based on studies. They actually go and sort through garbage and they find out when people send their garbage cans and dumpsters and compactors, uh, they can actually sample those and find out what's in that and you know we're throwing away a huge amount of food waste into the landfills and so they want that cut in half by 2030 food waste so that's really the big driver of that law and a big component of that 50 percent cut in food waste they want us to try to get to those uh, people that that need it uh through donation and and food that can be that is edible and can can go back to feed people. So there is something in this law uh, called the food waste hierarchy. And so we know we've got, you know, millions of tons of food waste in the state that we need to redirect out of the landfill. And so the first thing they want us to do is feed people. Then they want us to feed animals. And so this is something that really hasn't been happening uh, at a more controlled uh, county level and, and through regulations, but 
pigs. You know, a lot of people used to feed their slop to pigs. And there's a lot of reasons and concerns around that. Uh, but again, we need to figure out ways that we can feed people, feed animals, and then we kind of get to the composting. So composting isn't the top uh, top ticket. We really want to do some other things with this food waste first. Right. You want to make sure that food doesn't go, you know, yeah, can feed people and animals, like you said, before even like talking about the food waste component. Uh or sorry, the composting component. So are under this law, is this something where like businesses, like grocery stores and like food, like restaurants are, are going to have to um, transition to like separating out their stuff or, or uh, you know, like Fred Meyer giving away food to like making sure that stuff goes to the food bank or something else. Like if it's perfectly good to eat food that, you know, is past its date or for whatever reason they would otherwise throw it in the trash is that like is there going to be some kind of mandate for for them to do that or yeah so uh i, I want to get back to the the food label dating because that's a that's an important part of this as okay. well but the intent is definitely that businesses will have regulatory requirements okay and so it's a little bit nuanced in the law one of the issues w- which is Unfortunate, but not every local jurisdiction has the capacity to start moving large amounts of food waste. So if they said, right. hey, all you businesses that generate this much, you got to start composting and then all of a sudden food's got to go somewhere. And so they just need to make sure that that is ex- available. And then, yes, there are actual requirements starting, I think, as of January 2025, if you make um, a certain threshold I can't remember what it is. You know, if you're doing eight cubic yards a month of food waste, then you've got to jump on board. And then that kind of ratchets down over the years. So in some in some counties, our, our county is a little bit on the edge because our, our current capacity to be able to move this stuff before it gets to the municipal composter, it's got to go to a transfer station. You know, trucks take it somewhere to combine it all. Right now, we have limited processing capacity here for more complicated, complex reasons. And so we got to figure that out for sure. And so I think one thing that this law hopefully will do is is light, uh, you know, light a fire under counties that don't have the capacity to get the capacity Ooh, ASAP. Yeah. So these businesses can uh, basically meet the intent of the law. Right, right. Okay. Very interesting. And what what did you want to say about uh about food dates? <laughs> yeah, so so food dates are very complex. It gets a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but those sell by Best Buy, um, you know, move by those really don't have any regulatory or any specific meaning, and with one exception around like baby food, infant baby food, which hopefully we're not moving out and putting putting it in the garbage, but. All those other things have uh, meanings for, for possibly the retailers, but there's no regulatory, like if it's pass its sell-by, all of a sudden it's bad. And so the rule of thumb always, which is crazy, uh, is we get back to the nose nose. And so really, all food is good, unless it smells bad or you think it's suspect. So we're certainly not encouraging people to go 
you know, eat yogurt that's five years past its date. But if you had a can of SpaghettiOs and it said, you know, it was three, three years old and you open it up and it smells and looks perfect, then it most likely is. Our nose has evolved over however long we have been humans to know what's safe to eat and what's not. And so that's more important than any of these used by, sell by. That's probably one of those, yeah, that's like, seems to be one of the biggest misconceptions because those manufacturers dates are probably more about like liability than anything. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I've heard as well is like, yeah, if it, you know, if it smells bad, that's going to be the biggest indicator other than like an arbitrary date. And that is the thing, like some, sometimes they say expires or best buy, sell buy, enjoy buy or whatever. And, um, yeah. So then what I think some of the other things are like, if it's, you know, dented or leaking, like, of course, then it's suspect, like you were saying, but sure. Yeah, th- yeah, I think and, that's a great point to make. Yeah, and they're at, they, I mean, they are working on legislation to remove those or have it be based on some kind of science. Right, because it's so, not based in science, right? It's not, and when you talk about liability, it's just, it's it's more risk because there, there is a good Samaritan law as well. And so if you donate in good faith uh, as a business, you are off the hook uh, and, and so obviously you're, you're not donating something that you think is going to be suspect. And so they're donating. They, they think it's good, even if it's past the sell by. And if you go to some of these discount stores, there's at least two of them I know about where they have, you can buy, um, you know, bone broth stock in the, in the aseptic carton and you look at the date and it was, you know, six months ago. And so, you know, you can still sell that stuff legally. Uh, There's really no liability that's going to come back. Right. And for listeners to know, like, often that stuff is like super discounted. So you could lower your... (laughs) I know. And and so this gets back to a whole nother kick of preventing that food waste to begin with. And then we also, you know, when we're eating fast food, we're, we're dining out, we think we're saving time and money we're having a larger impact on the environment because when there's disposable products involved and Mm -hmm. then there's all that food prep waste that most of these folks aren't composting. Uh, And then we're also maybe not eating as healthily as we could. And so we are really trying to look at ways that you can make, and this is a different class, uh, so I won't go into detail on it, but how you can make, you know, $5 meals with less than five ingredients in five minutes. And, you know, you might have to hit the button five minutes and come back in 60 minutes while it cooks. But uh, there or, or, or if you're roasting vegetables, you know, maybe it takes five minutes to prepare, but it's going to need to bake for 60 minutes. So, uh, again, but super easy, healthy and very minimal waste. And then all that other waste you've got can be composted. Oh, that's super cool. Oh, my gosh. So saving you time, money, and doing what you can for the environment. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and becoming a better cook. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then, oh, so I wanted to ask you about, um, so you recently created a lasagna composting system. at It was a Discovery Middle School, is that right? Yes, yes. So uh, 
so a lot of schools are set up to compost, even in, in the cafeteria. And so the same concept where they've got the cart. Food waste goes in the cart, gets picked up by the truck and taken to the municipal composter. So all food can go into those systems. So a lot of those already exist is what a you're saying A lot of those exist, schools? yeah. Let's say we have 100 schools, maybe 50 of them are set up. And so again, this is one of those pieces where every school should be composting. And some of them dropped out during COVID and, you know, there's a lot of reasons uh, and it takes extra time. You got to monitor because, you know, kids are rushing through these these cafeteria lines that you don't want garbage in there. Uh, and that was really the case with Discovery Middle School. They have, you know... It's contrary, but, you know, the older the kids get, the less <laughs> good they are at composting, recycling, you know, following orders. And so oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, they do imagine. not compost in, in the cafeteria. We'd love to see that happen and that hopefully will happen. Uh, but they just had an amazing champion, uh, Ron Hall. And so uh, I know, you know, I'm one guy and, and I'm just... Uh, you know, the messenger. It's like, we got to do these things. We got to do it now. And so when I can team up with someone who also has that passion and then can see see the, the whole work through at, at the ground level, uh, we can really change things up. So Ron was this guy, science teacher at Discovery Middle School, and he was like, we can't be throwing this food waste away. And it, and it was from the kitchen. So easy. Kitchen's happy to collect it you know they want to be part of the solution so yeah so during prep like they would yep so he just gave them some different containers rather than putting in the garbage they put it in that container and then it needed a place to go and so he wanted to show the students this progression and so we came up with a concept uh it's still piloting but basically we took 30 gallon metal cans and we drilled holes in them so there could be the fbi could kind of come and go from the soil (laughs) Uh, and then we, rather than just bury them in the soil, we created, uh, we backfilled those trenches that we dug with organic rotting material so that we would attract, just as I said, to build it and they will come. So we kind of created a whole habitat environment around these buried cans. And then we've been filling up about 500 pounds a month in the this can system. And so there's 10 cans. They serve a total of four schools, so they're a central kitchen. So that's why there's so much food waste coming out. Oh! But we've already filled, in just over a month, we've filled 40% of the cans, four, four cans. And so a huge amount of food waste, which ideally, you know, we can prevent. But, you know, not all, not all food waste is preventable. And then the intent is when that 10th can fills up, we can take the first one, and it's been sitting there digesting just like our stomach, uh, for hopefully a couple, two, three months, just to give it some time. And then we will bury that in their raised bed gardens, let the soil finish off the decomposition process, and then all those nutrients that were wasted uh, come back to grow their food. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. And so that's their raised beds like that they do for... Some, some kind of class, For, so there's an educational exact, piece to it. Exactly. So it's a tandem, ideally it's a tandem system. You've got these food waste digesters. You wouldn't necessarily need 10 if you were a small elementary school, only cooking for yourself. Uh, but we've got 10 cans, and we think that's going to be the number we need. Again, we're kind of, 
this is the first in the country. Right. That's that's used this kind of model. You know, people have have buried digester systems, but not backfilled with this rich, rotting, uh, layered approach, which is kind of how we we talk about lasagna gardening. So the lasagna is really more the backfill. We backfill the material with these layers of more material that probably would be headed to the landfill. That is super cool. Oh my gosh. Now I need to find out if, yeah, if my daughter's school does at least has those, those car, the food waste carts. Well, um, and, and on that same vein, the, fir, the there's two of these systems in Clark County, probably only two in the entire country. But the other one is in the courtyard at Kindred Homestead, which is a great sustainable living store uh, with a lot of great uh, waste reduction and reuse uh, options in, for sale. But they uh, have four of these cans, and there's a lot of apartment complexes and multifamily and condos right in that area that don't have composting options. So a lot of their customers and just the general public will come through the store with their pails, dump it in those, and we're actually going to be harvesting our first digester-filled can uh, with a green business event coming up here, I think, this week. Oh, maybe, my Maybe gosh. even tomorrow or the next day, and you're invited. I'll oh, send, cool. I'll send you the information. Oh, okay. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I can share in the in the and, show notes too on that. That's and the same cool. thing, they have raised beds uh, that they mostly grow flowers and other things to, to beautify their courtyard. And so we'll first excavate all their, uh, it's not, the raised bed's not filled. So we'll move out some of the soil so we have a place to put in, you know, each can's 30 gallons. So it's not a huge amount. Uh, but this will be the first time we will actually see what's happened to that food rotting food waste. And so I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Oh, my gosh. I totally want to go. Um, okay, so where are we at here? Oh, I guess my... Uh, my next question, this might lead into these composting workshops you've been alluding to, but so you are an amazing composting extraordinaire. You've talked about, you know, obviously there's others in the community, but like um, how can listeners advocate for composting? How can we, um, like where, where where would someone walk away from this interview and, and get started? Would you recommend... Um, some of the workshops you are involved in? Yeah, I, I, it's a good, it's a great question. And I think that everyone comes to hopefully dealing with their, their food waste and food scraps in a way that's going to work best for them. And so as you have, you, uh, as you have alluded to, not everyone has the space or the time or the interest uh, in managing that on site which is really more where I'm involved in the backyard. But if they're interested in backyard composting uh, or worm bin composting or, or home composting is another way we refer to that, they should definitely check out our website, which is clarkcountycomposts.org. And okay. there we list our workshops. We have a training coming up. 
Uh, we also have field trainings, which we offer not now in, in the wet wintry months, but when we get back to the spring, we have a series of those throughout the entire growing year uh, at two different locations. Uh, we're adding a third location on East Vancouver. So that's a really great way to come play in the dirt, get your hands dirty, see how we do it. Um, but the most important piece is to start actually collecting your food waste. And so we have collection containers. Uh, anything can work to start collecting your food scraps. And then once you become aware of, just like with Discovery Middle School, I don't think they knew how much food waste they were generating. And then when it goes in an actual can that you know the size of and they know how long it takes to fill it up, they're all blown away. And they're also you know, jazzed about doing the right thing. Yeah. And so once we fill up and collect that stuff that was kind of lost in our garbage with all the other stuff, then we can start to visualize our impact. Yeah. And typically, you know, household's going to fill up a, uh, you know, a gallon, two gallons, three gallons of that food waste a week. And then that's where we want to make sure you have a place to take it to. And that's what we're working on on our end. But if you are listening to this and you're like, yeah, I want to get on board then reach out to us and we will match you to the closest place. I said Heritage Farm has three of these carts. Uh, that's a great public accessible spot right now And if you're near Hazeldell. Uh, so that definitely can serve a large group, especially if you are traveling on I-5 at any point in time. That's easy. Just jump off 78th Street, dump your food scraps. Again, it's a little extra effort, but this is one of those scenarios that everything adds up to make a big difference. Yeah. And so we need everyone to fill their buckets of food waste and get it composted, if not fed to people or animals. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like that extra of an effort. Like it's just, just one if, step everybody can do. If, if it, you know, and if it's like, if you put it in the way that if you take this one step, you can save humanity for all time. I would hope that would be enough of an incentive to join. To join. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. if it isn't, that, that kind of brings us to the corollary, which is a tough outlook for our future. Yeah. Yeah. We all have a part to play. Um, so what was the workshop you were saying that was com coming up that was uh, on Wednesdays, I think you were saying? Yes. So uh, we have actually our last workshop this Wednesday. Uh, it's on low-waste living. And so that's a whole, you know, we talk about reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh, we're about sustainable living, removing chemicals from your household. Composting is certainly a big piece of this and food waste. Uh, but it's a whole series. We're just wrapping up our fall. Uh, but we do have an intensive training that kicks off uh, January 31st, which okay. is a Wednesday. And that runs for seven Wednesdays. Uh, that's more of a volunteer training. And so if you want to kind of join our movement, that would be a great way uh, to join at a higher level. Okay. You've got to go to all seven classes. Uh, plus you've got to give time back through volunteerism. Okay. But our workshop, we'll have another spring workshop series. Typically that runs in, in April and May. Uh, perfect when the grass starts growing. People need a place to compost that and learn about that. And Obviously, the yard and weeds are starting to grow. So those are more a la carte. And we offer right now nine workshops. And a lot oh, wow. of them now, we have a brand new series that we're working on around preventing food waste to begin with. And those all have cooking demonstrations. 
So cooking with leftovers, you know, cooking with ingredients on hand, just learning how to uh, not let stuff go to waste. Oh, that is super cool. And these are all like virtual, right? So we- uh, some are virtual, some are in person. The, the cooking ones are, are going to be in person. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a hybrid. Um, as I said, you can, you can come to one, you can come to all, and that's a great way to learn. Very cool. Very cool. Is there anything else you want to plug that we haven't touched on or like where people can find you? Yeah, or? we just plug that website again, uh, ClarkCountyComposts.org. Very cool. And our trainings on there, our workshops are on there and uh, lots of other information. And then a way to get a hold of us is on there as well, uh, which is info at ClarkCountyCompost.org. Cool. All right. Well... I also heard you're a musician. <laughs> I, <laughs> you I, might have something special for us to close out. I am out a musician. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I would love to go out with a song. Cool. Let's do it. And what is your, um, is is there a name? Or, or do you just go by Pete Dubois, like for your your so, music? or? Uh, I have, uh, It's it's been a long journey. <laughs> I uh, have, have, been more focused on field and educational and, and trainings in the composting field. So less, uh, but I used to be at schools and I used to be doing assemblies. Uh, I was in a band, the Garbage Gurus, <laughs> and then the Elastic Waste Band, uh, and then Recycle Man and the Dumpster Divers. And so uh, I, you can find me on Spotify and, and Apple Tunes, but uh, I'm doing less of that right now because you know, I'm just, I'm focused on other areas. Okay. Okay, cool. Imagine you live back when there were dinosaurs. They roamed the earth with their mighty roars. T-Rex, Triceratops, and the Stegosaurus. The Pterodactyl and the Brontosaurus. No one knows why they didn't get too far. Perhaps their feet were stuck in tar. Or a meteor crashed when the meteor crashed. No one knows for sure why they died so fast. Yeah, the world heats up and the world cools down. And the earth keeps spinning around and around. It's call and response. Yeah, the world heats up and the world cools down. The earth keeps spinning around and around. Now imagine this. Live during the last ice age. Millions of years past the great reptilian stage. When the woolly mammoth walked and the salmon swam Till they got stuck behind a great ice dam Yeah, the world heats up and the world cools down The earth keeps spinning around and around The world heats up the world cools down the earth keeps spinning around and around. Do you think the dinosaurs 
are part of this complicity. A decomposing into gas and coal to burn for electricity. If the world keeps rising on the temperatures gauge, perhaps we'll wake up to know the dinosaur age. Yeah, the world heats up. World cools down. Earth keeps spinning around and around. World heats up. World cools down. Earth keeps spinning around and around and around.